in the squadron. They called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Have you ever heard somebody say, uh, when you're going through hell, don't stop? When you're going through hell, don't stop. You know who came up with that one? Winston Churchill. Something was going on during World War II. I don't know exactly what. Uh, but when you're going through hell, don't stop. During tough times, whatever it is, just keep going, forging ahead, doing what you got to do. And I feel like uh, a lot of MAGA, we've been going through hell. We really have. But we kept plowing ahead. We kept forging ahead. We know we're right. We know they are wrong. And I know sometimes it seems like we're the crazy ones. We're the fringe. We're the extreme. We're the outcasts. And we are outcasts, oh, by the way. Uh, and the lunatics are running everything. But... We kind of broke through yesterday. Some beautiful things happened. Number one, an impeachment inquiry has been improved into Joe Biden, and they are panicking. You know, they are all confident and cocky and trying to say there's no evidence. They know. They know what the people can see, and they know they're seeing right through this Hunter Biden crap. They know it's it's having an effect, the $200,000 check, the Porsche, the pickup truck, the girls, the prostitution, uh Hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, unpaid taxes, all this stuff. Oh, we never talked to, about business. Oh, we were never financially involved. Oh, we weren't involved in China. Yes, we were involved in China, but we didn't make in, many money. Okay, we were involved in China, and we only made a little bit of money. All of it. All of it's adding up, and everybody can see that these people are liars, total and complete. This whole fantasy that somehow Joe is a nice guy, going to restore uh, – Whatever it was, old-timey sense of, what was his big word? Empathy. Chosen empathetic guy. That is blown sky high. Everybody can see he's just a cheap politician, a cheap hustling politician, a cheap hustling corrupt politician. And um, I don't know. I just, you got to take these things when, it, when, when they come and celebrate it a little bit. Joe, an impeachment inquiry. January 6th, uh, two things. You may have heard of uh, obstruction of a government proceeding. Obstruction of a government proceeding. They've been getting a lot of the January Sixers on that, that they obstructed a government proceeding. I always thought, okay, why is it you can obstruct a government proceeding if you are anti, if you're pro-abortion? If you're pro-abortion, you can go yell and scream at Kavanaugh. You can threaten him. You can unfurl a sign during the confirmation hearing. You can take over the hallway. You can badger U.S. senators, chase them onto elevators. That's kind of that's interrupting a government proceeding. I know it was. You could just see it right there. Um, but they were on the right side of the issue, so they let it pass. They just, uh, you know, this, if anything, they were just uh, asked to leave eventually after they made their point and got on television where they were giving a parking ticket or something like that or nothing at all. Whereas the January Sixers are being thrown into prison, most of whom didn't break anything, didn't hurt anybody, but they obstructed a federal governmental proceeding. Well, Thanks to uh, people like Joseph McBride, great attorney, and uh, others, this matter has reached the Supreme Court. It's like, uh, excuse me, uh, do you guys understand what this law is all about, obstructing a government proceeding? It actually has nothing to do with obstructing government proceedings, <laughs> the way we might think about it. Um, it goes back to the Enron case. Who remembers Enron? That crazy oil company in Houston, right, and the mark-to-market, whatever racket they came up with, ripping people off, skilling. Who was the other guy? Ken Lay. 
Ken Lay, who mysteriously just went to bed and died one night. Hmm. Anyway, uh, obstructing a government pr- proceeding was what they were trying to get Enron on because Enron executives were destroying evidence, destroying uh, documents about all their schemes, all their uh, all their ne'er-do-well stuff, and uh, they destroyed that stuff. And that was the destruction or the disruption of a government proceeding because they needed those documents for the government proceeding. Kind of weird. I never knew that. Um, Joseph McBride was explaining this stuff to me. So uh, applying ex- obstructing a government proceeding to the January Sixers has nothing to do with what the law actually was intended to enforce, what the law was intending to uh, prohibit. So that is a major, major, major uh, uh game changer of a of a development the supreme court taking that up and the other thing is immunity did donald trump as president you know a lot of the things he did calling up the vice president saying hey uh what's your name again mike mike pence you know you've got all kinds of authority i'm talking to john eastman here and rudy and they say you can do all kinds of things here and i'm looking at it under the electoral count act you know look mike i know you're a holy roller and everything just do me a favor don't count them right away. Let 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 Harrisburg and Phoenix and some of the state capitals take another look at it because I'm hearing all kinds of fraud and we got to look into that and they got they want to look into it. Well, you're allowed to say that kind of stuff. You can say, well, that's pressuring Mike Pence. No, it's not. It's talking about politics. It's talking about governmental affairs. You're allowed to do that as president. You have an issue with that if you then vote him out or take it up politically. You can't criminalize that kind of stuff. So they're basically saying, uh, this is one of the arguments, one of the many arguments. John Lauro, I think, is the attorney, great guy, uh, former federal prosecutor. He's representing Rudy Giuliani, I'm sorry, uh, Donald Trump in the January 6th stuff. You never see him on TV. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> Sometimes these lawyers get on TV a little bit too much. He was on TV for one weekend, and he had to do that. He had to say, wait a second, all right, I'm the lawyer, and this is what we think. And he was just fantastic. You know, like, you're allowed to discuss these things. This is politics. You can't criminalize it. So one of the many arguments is that Donald Trump has immunity. And now the Supreme Court is like, you know what? Maybe he does. And we have to tackle this. So they're looking at that. And that probably has just uh, obliterated the idea of a March 4th court date. March 4th is absurdly uh, soon. And it's absurdly soon, quick, in relation to the indictment, which came down on August 1st. August, September, October, November, December, January, February, seven months. That is light speed for a trial of this complexity, of this magnitude. And the speedy trial, well, we all want to have a speedy trial. That's actually not up to us. It's not up to the government. It's up to the defendant. It's up to Donald Trump whether or not he wants a speedy trial. It says it right in the Constitution, the accused. It's up to them, not the government. And the government is pushing this thing. They're trying to jumpstart this whole thing. And they want to – the matter is right in the appeals court right now, the appellate division. You know, you got the district level. you got the appellate level. you got the uh, Supreme Court. It's sitting in the appellate level. Jack Smith and his thugs say, we want this up in the Supreme Court right now. And they bring it to the Supreme Court. They drag the Supreme Court. And anyway, this is probably backfiring on all of them. So this is a big victory. And I love it. I love it. We're not, it's not total victory. It's a battle. It is a battle. We have not won the war. I'll get to the Hunter Biden stuff in a moment. It's fascinating. Everybody can see it. But I have to go first to Vivek Ramaswamy. Are you guys as impressed with him as 
I am, my goodness gracious, he is a breath of fresh air. Totally fantastic. I'd love to see him as Donald Trump's vice president or the moment Donald Trump wins the election in November of 2024. I'm all in for Vivek 2028. This is the guy. This is the guy. Now, last night he's on the, uh, he's in Iowa for a town hall, CNN town hall. It's pretty wild. A CNN audience was obviously rooting for him. It was great. And he's so eloquent, so smart. So honest and driven, I do think, by, well, doing the right thing. So first I want to, you know, I guess he's not Christian. He's not Jewish. He's Hindu. And I don't know much about the Hindu faith. Um, I know he's a man of faith. He has spoken about that. I know you don't have to be a Christian or a Jew to be president of the United States. Certainly not. I mean, it's kind of, uh, no. But the way he spoke about faith, the way he spoke about morality last night, that was something else, man. You ready for this? We got it? Okay. This is uh, Vivek Ramaswamy last night. Jenny Mitchell. She is an entomologist at Iowa State University from Boone, Iowa. She is a Republican who is currently undecided. Jenny? Thank you. Thanks for being here and thanks for coming to Iowa so much. We appreciate your visits. Uh, so freedom of religion is a part of our constitution and obviously a huge part of our country. What do you say to those who say that you cannot be our president because your religion is not what our founding fathers based our country on? Well, I would say that I respectfully disagree. And, you know, I want people to understand this about me. I would rather speak the truth and lose an election than to win by playing some political snakes and ladders. I mean, if I wanted to map out my political career and really solve for that, you know, I could fake convert. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you about my faith. I'm Hindu. Now, I went to Christian schools. I went to St. Xavier in Cincinnati, and I actually have been on the board of St. X, except for a hiatus to run for president. And I can tell you with confidence that we share the same value set in common. I'll tell you about my faith. My faith teaches me that God puts each of us here for a purpose. That we have a moral duty to realize that purpose. That God works through us in different ways. But we're still equal because God resides in each of us. Now, I had what you would call not a traditional upbringing, but probably a very traditional upbringing. (laughs) My parents taught me family is the foundation. Marriage is sacred. Divorce isn't some option you just prefer off a menu when things don't go your way. Abstinence before marriage is the way to go. Adultery is wrong. That the good things in life involve a sacrifice. Now, are those foreign values in this country? I know it could look that way at times. You turn on the television, go to the movie theater, your local DEI training at a company or what they're teaching your kids in schools. That could seem a little unfamiliar. I don't think it's unfamiliar to most of us. I think those are the same Judeo-Christian values that I learned at St. X. When we get to the Ten Commandments, what do they say? There's one true God. Don't take his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath. Respect your parents. Don't kill. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't covet. That's when it hit me. We share the same value set in common. There's another core teaching in my faith, which is that we don't get to choose who God works through. God chooses who God works through. So we get to the Old Testament a little bit further along. We get to the book of Isaiah. I don't know if many of you are familiar with with that one. 
God chose Cyrus, a Gentile all the way in Persia, to lead the Jewish people back to the promised land. And so, yes, I believe God put us here for a purpose. My faith is what leads me on this journey to run for president. My gratitude to this country is what leads me. And even when we think about the founding fathers, I'm a fan of history, okay? I talked about Thomas Jefferson earlier. We'll stick to Thomas Jefferson. He was a deist, actually. Let's be honest about it. The left wants to rewrite our history and tell you he was a slave owner, an evil man. No, I reject that. But we're not going to have anybody rewriting our history. Thomas Jefferson was a deist. He made the Jefferson Bible. You know how he did it? He didn't believe in all the parts of the New Testament, but he took a blade, razor blade by hand, glued it together, and that made the Jefferson Bible, which we have today. John Adams wrote letters to Thomas Jefferson, actually became something of a Hindu scholar after he left. And so I think it's important to see our founding fathers three-dimensionally, not the way that they've been rewritten post-1990 either. And so, yes, do I sh would I be the best president to spread Christianity through this country? I would not. I'd be not the best choice for that. But I also don't think that that's the job of the U.S. president. But will I stand for the Judeo-Christian values that this nation was founded on, that I was raised in, even in the Hindu faith? Yes, I will. You're darn right I will. And as a young person, picking up on that strand from earlier, I think it's my responsibility to make faith and patriotism and family and hard work cool. <laughs> you know, he may not be Christian, he may be Hindu, he may not be Jewish, he may be Hindu, but I think he's uh, he's going to do a hell of a lot better spreading Christianity, spreading Judaism as a Hindu than Joe Biden could in a million years. I mean, you never know how things are going to work, right? That was just, and to say those things out loud, abstinence before marriage, adultery is wrong. I mean, when is the last time we had an honest conversation about the Ten Commandments in America? I, I, all I remember is the debate about whether the Ten Commandments should be in the schools. Remember that? Long time ago. But they never actually talked about what the Ten Commandments say. Um, wow. Do you like them? I like them. <laughs> and uh, I think Trump likes them, too. Number two, Vivek Ramaswamy in 2024. I love it. Give me a moment, please. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. But I'm also here today to correct how the MAGA right has portrayed me for their political purposes. I am first and foremost a son, a father, 
a brother and a husband from a loving and supportive family. Wow. Hunter Biden, huh? Looking for sympathy, playing the media and um, thinking he got away with it. This is one of the many moments that was a a total uh, reveal in, in its own way, a confession about how uh, much of a stunt this was. When he started belting that out, right? I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a father, I'm a this, I'm a that. This is right out of the PR, the nauseating PR handbook. When you're looking for sympathy, when you're up to something no good, political, and uh, often very, very uh, self-serving. So here is um, Brittany Camisso, one of the phony baloney go- girls who uh, claimed that Andrew Cuomo grabbed her ass. Uh, let's see here. And she, um, I mean, literally, the, the the allegation against Cuomo that she made is so demonstrably fake, false, a liar. When you don't have the truth, when you don't have facts, you gotta, you gotta, um, you gotta play on emotion. Just like Hunter did, just like Brittany did. Brittany, cut 15. In the report, you're known as executive assistant number one. I am executive assistant in the governor's office, but I am also a mother. I am a daughter. I am a friend. I'm a colleague. I am more than executive assistant number one. The next time I get in trouble in the office, I'm going to try this, you know. Hey, Greg, you've been doing that, 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 right, right? Well, I am a father. I am a son. I am a brother. I am an American. Take that! I mean, like, what, what was that? Like, what did you see? How cynical that is? How, what a cheap little trick it is? Um, everybody's gone over this, but did you see what I did? This is Hunter's dream because he's an important man now. He's important. Showed all the pictures with a thousand reporters all around him, and this is what he always wanted. I know that from Joe Biden in his book. Joe Biden asked Hunter when he was a little kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Hunter said, I want to be important. And Joe, as opposed to straightening him out, said, I knew what he meant. Because that's what Joe wants to be or wanted to be, right? Just an important guy. Uh, a, a mediocre guy becomes the big shot in Delaware. Not all that hard to do. Uh, listen to this. Cut 16, please. I'm proud to have earned degrees from Georgetown University and Yale Law School. I'm proud of my legal career and business career. I'm proud of my time serving on a dozen different boards of directors. And I'm proud of my efforts to forge global business relationships. When we come back, I shall prove, prove that he's actually not proud of those global business relationships, partnerships. He did everything he could to conceal them. And why is it that he's always doing business with enemies, America's enemies, and not our friends? Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. What do you say? Bye, honey. No, we aren't going outside. No, I'm I'm pretending we're going outside. Oh. All right. Bye, honey. Wait, can you help me put this on? Wait, can you help me put this on? You got it. You want to help me get the button? Yes, because it's right there. All right. Isn't she amazing? Sometimes she sounds more babyish than at other times. Today she was uh, some project she had, some little paper plate she glued to another plate, and she's shaking it, and there's something inside, and it's like... Oh, I think it's broken. She said, no, it's this is the design. 
<laughs> this is the design. I think that was kind of remarkable for a three-year-old. For a three-year-old. Uh, one of the many wonderful things about having a three-year-old and a two-year-old and a wife. My wife makes beautiful breakfasts for them, often French toast. And uh, they feed me a few slices under the table, literally. They always like to give me some. Uh, unfortunately, when you hit a certain age, whatever the hell it is, 50 years old, if I eat one thing that's like not good for you, bam, you can feel it. It just, it's, it's, it goes right to your gut. I feel like my stomach explodes. Granted, it's not just the French toast from the babies. I discovered something. Some guy at work is bringing in, uh, what do you call it? Mega stuff Oreos. Have you heard of mega stuff? It's like, it's, Triple or you've heard of double stuff. It's triple stuff. It is so thick. And of course, since the top, since the cookie comes off so easily, what I've done is you take a mega stuff and then you take three mega stuffs. You take the little thing off and you take the cream and you, you stack it even higher. So you've got nine Oreos, basically nine cream and you put one on top. So it's just like this massive mega ultra on steroids cookie and i only had maybe four of these things and i i just feel like a different person i've got like poison in me i have to stop doing that i just can't i used to be able to do it you could you could junk food really you know whatever your our bodies don't aren't as resilient i don't like to talk about age or complain about age but they just are not resilient once you leave your 20s the body just actually somebody once told me that the body peaks at 27 the age of 27 and then Basically, it's in decline. Now, you can work against the decline, and you can do all kinds of things to slow the decline, uh, and you can actually get to a higher point than you were during the decline, but you're definitely still declining. Declining. Hey, you heard about this Boston mayor, Mayor Wu, W-U, and uh, she put out a Christmas invitation for only the people of color. No whites allowed at the Christmas party. I... Everybody in cable news has been going bananas with it, and it's a good, interesting story. Uh, she says it was a mistake. Uh, they didn't really want to exclude the white people, but I wonder. Uh, let's see here. Adolescent, I, I, I think this is the way things are going, right? It's kind of like, well, take LGBTQ, right? Um, at one point, <laughs> I, and I understand this, like in the 1950s, they just didn't want to be harassed and, you know, they didn't want to be. Uh, bothered and they didn't want to be persecuted because of being gay. I understand all that. I don't think that's good either. But now we have the church, the church festooned in gay pride, uh, LGBT queer flags. The church, the church, Presbyterian church, Episcopal church, all of it, all of it. The flag outside St. Bartholomew's church on Park Avenue, one of the fine churches of America. Great big LGBT queer flag. All are welcome. Well, you know what? When I see that LGBT queer flag, I don't know if I'm welcome. I just don't. It feels very exclusionary somehow. And if that's what you're going to talk about in there, that's what you're going to. That's what you're going to sink your teeth into celebrating uh, that. Well, uh, I feel like that's uh, off message. Anyway, you see where we went with the LGBTQ stuff, right? That's where we're going with uh, the mayor Wu letter. Sure, it's an outlier. Oh, my God. It's How can that happen? How can that be? Let's all condemn her. And, yeah, let's condemn her. But this is the direction they want it to go, a segregated society all over again. And people will be judged 
by the color of their skin, not the content of their character in their ideal world. That's how it will work. And guess where? Uh, let's see. What color am I again? White. And what is my gender? Male. And what is my orientation? Heterosexual. <laughs> um, somehow I'm not going to be uh, a vaunted member of that of that of that society, am I? And some people say, well, you're just upset that you're now being uh, you've been dethroned or something. And, you know, it's not a patriarchy anymore. No, I'm not. I just don't want to be penalized for the stuff that I can't control. All right. I don't think anybody should be. And that goes for the pansexual uh, Latina hermaphrodite as well. Okay, I don't want that person uh, judged for those things that they can't control. And I don't think it should happen to me or anybody. And I also don't think, though, that the uh, pansexual uh, hermaphrodite Latina uh, should be um, pushing the pansexual agenda on children. Right. We want school. We want zero to 18 to be as asexual as possible. And matters of sexuality should be handled by the parents. Hopefully they're not too Looney Tunes. Unfortunately, there are a lot of Looney Tune parents out there who have now found a, a shortcut to prestige and status, which is adopting the LGBT queer crap and running around like a maniac with it. Hey, speaking of which, did you see the White House Christmas video? The White House. The the the, the White House, where the president lives, right? They had the most bizarre scene there. Usually they unveil the White House Christmas tree. Remember that? And then they had to do it even better. They had to decorate the inside of the house. And about 10 years ago, the first ladies, uh, maybe it was longer, they start showing off. They all have to put their own spin on Christmas. And I remember they gave Melania a hard time. I'm like, what is the problem? What is the problem? She made a beautiful house with beautiful Christmas trees. She's the most beautiful first lady, much prettier than Jackie Onassis. Can we stop pretending that she was so gorgeous? I, I never understood. As a kid, I was mystified by that. As a kid. Everybody was saying that she was amazing and so pretty. I did not see it. Um, and she also had, no, never mind. She had funny teeth too. And I just, uh, I, I, whatever. Uh, so here is the, uh, the new one, right? Okay. So it's a bunch of crazy people jumping around the White House, tap dancing, which I, people who really know dance don't like tap dancing. And they're wearing costumes straight out of that movie. Um, what was that Stanley Kubrick movie, the last one? Uh, Eyes Wide Shut, where it's a great big sex party. They're wearing these weird, peculiar, like, animal masks in the White House video. All right, listen to this. Go ahead, please. Just so you know what I'm looking at. It's a dancer dancing down, tap dancing down the hallway. Kind of weird, kind of out of place. Dressed like she is in the circus. Now they're wearing sequin things, and some guy as a toy soldier comes out, also tap dancing, jumping through all the rooms. It's just weird. People wearing costumes tap dancing for no apparent reason. And there is a lot of tokenism in this video. 
There are about eight people in the video. They have they have a token white person. Oh, two token white people. Goofy. All right, one candy cane. And then they're wearing a gross, hideous mask. And now they're in the East Room of the White House. And they're simulating sex. That was definitely a sex maneuver. The toy soldier just tried to get it on with the rabbit. And the rabbit, I do believe, is supposed to be gay. Uh, it's a woman in a man's suit, dressed as a rabbit. And she's cavorting right by the Christmas tree. And she's grabbing her crotch. Christmas at the White House. Hmm. Whatever happened to Bing Crosby or somebody like that? It's gross! Well, gross isn't the word. It's just weird and sad. Stop that. Stop, stop, stop. Uh, it, by the way, it's not even well kind of the core. Not that I'm a choreographer, but there's like weird pauses in the middle and strange edits. You think it's over, but it's not. It goes to black for like 10 seconds for no good reason, and then it's back. Strange, strange. And they're getting hit for this, right? All over the place. People are noticing what I noticed. There's a weird Stanley Kubrick vibe to all this stuff. Some people say Clockwork Orange. I say, uh, what's that movie I talked about again? Uh, no, No Way Out, Less Than Zero. Shoot, what is that? Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes wide shut. <sighs> I really wish we had the Trumps in there, huh? Good thing, though, that Paul Ryan saw Donald Trump for what he was. Paul Ryan, remember him? Speaker Ryan? Speaker Paul Ryan? Speaker Paul Ryan, he's 51 years old. He is the ex-Speaker of the House. You go to his Twitter, you know what it says? Office of the 54th Speaker of the House of Representatives. This guy tried to trip up Trump every step of the way. He was elected by the people. This guy was elected by a couple of thousand people in Wisconsin. And he did everything he could to trip up the Trump administration. Paul Ryan lost a debate to Joe Biden. Never forget that. Remember, he was the vice presidential nominee to Mitt. Uh, Mitt, Mitt had a weird kind of guy crush on him, I think, because he was slim and, well, big workout guy. Mitt Romney is almost too slim. Watch out for guys of a certain age who are too fit, who are ultra fit. Some guys are cool. Sid takes care of himself, but you know he's cool. But other guys are weird and narcissistic who take way too care, way too much, way too much attention to their physique. Here's Paul Ryan making news once again. How does he make news by ripping on Trump? But the way he said it, it's actually a self-own cut. Thirty-two. Or how will history regard people like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and people of that their ilk? And maybe it's just just the two of them. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean they're friends of mine. I think they called out. Look, Trump's not a conservative; he's an authoritarian narcissist. So I think they basically called him out for that. He's a populist authoritarian narcissist. So historically speaking, all of his tendencies are, you know, basically where narcissism takes him, which is whatever makes him popular, or makes him feel good at any given moment. And he and he doesn't think in in, in classical liberal conservative terms. Tell me what those classical he, liberal conservative terms are, Paul Ryan, you career politician. This is a man who's been in positions of authority since he was 29 years old, working for the government, 
since he was 29, gets elected to the House of Representatives. Well, I was in the Marine Corps. This guy was looking for votes in Janesville, Holtzville, Wisconsin, wherever he came from. And he became a very, very, very rich man because of his government service. And talk about narcissism. By the way, Donald Trump has been so consistent on his policies, on his beliefs. Go back to that Oprah Winfrey interview in 1985, the Rona Barrett interview in 1980. This is the same man, the same principles. This is, this is his vision. He has core principles, unlike, unlike Paul Ryan, really. I mean, yeah, he can talk. He can talk that stuff. He can talk with the National Review, but he doesn't live it. And narcissism, I have pictures of Paul Ryan in the gym looking at himself in the mirror lifting weights. And not like lifting weights. like to, He's not looking in the mirror to make sure he's got good form. He's looking in the mirror. He's like, wow, I'm astonished with how good looking and what, what great shape I'm in. That is the definition of narcissism. When you fall in love with your own reflection. That's narcissist. He was looking at himself in the in the in the lake, and he was so entranced with himself he fell in the lake and drowned. Um, and Paul Ryan, something else about him, and I did this on my video. I found Paul after and during his congressional career. How many portraits do you think there are of Paul Ryan in the Capitol? Three, three massive paintings of some guy from Wisconsin named Paul. In the House of Representatives, one, because he was the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee. Who cares? Then he was the chair of the House Finance Committee or Banking Committee. You get a painting for that. They come back and they have a big ceremony. And, of course, there's that picture of him with the with the mallet, the speaker thing. And he's cashing in for the rest of his life based on the prestige that America gave him. And he's still busting on Trump. Uh, Paul... You lost to Joe Biden in a speaking contest. That race was winnable. You're so disgusted with Trump. You know, if you and Mitt had your act together, had one ounce the toughness, the fight, or the smarts of Donald Trump, you wouldn't have to deal with Donald Trump. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, there are some real animals in Congress now. The prestige of that job has evaporated, evaporated, and we have some of the lowest forms of life in the House of Representatives. I'm not going to name names at the moment. You probably know who I'm talking Well, I'll fill in the blanks. Jamal Bowman, uh, Eric Swalwell, those two guys. Um. And we have some heroes there, too. But I think the job overall has to be enhanced in some way so we get better people there. I don't know. I don't know. Augustine in Levittown, hello. Oh, great. Pleasure to speak with you. Your name is Augustine? Isn't that more of a girl's name, Augustine? No, St. Augustine. Shouldn't you be August? August. August, like August Gunther, like uh, the donut guy. How about St. Augustine? Was he a girl? I thought so. Actually, but oh, anyway, come on. yeah, All right, great. It's, it sounds like Christine, Augustine, uh, August. Is anybody ever? All right. Never mind. What's up? August. Yeah, uh, exactly. You were talking about diets before and eating those Oreo cookies. Bad thing. 
but you included French toast. French toast is good. It's just bread and eggs. And then when you add butter, it's really delicious. By the way, butter in my local grocery store right now, $9 a pound. Eight ninety nine, nine dollars a pound. That's really that's in, crazy. In, in December two thousand twenty, same store, uh, three dollars a pound. Gas a dollar eighty nine. So, what is this gouging? What's going on? Uh, number one, you're right about Augustine. I'm sorry, he was a dude. Um, the other thing is, it's heartbreaking. It's inflation. It's uh, a little bit the uh, COVID spending and everything else, and Biden and Bidenomics, and it's it's such a mess. It wasn't like this under Trump. What kind of butter is it? Are you getting deluxe butter or something like that? Is it really that much for a pound? Do people buy it in a pound? Land or lakes. Yeah, that's a, that's a food that you could keep uh, an eye on because uh, uh, Edmonds used to have a pound cake. Remember it was called pound cake? Well, it's still called well, pound cake. It. No, they changed it to butter cake. Well, I mean, you can still, people still call pound cake. I don't know what Entenmann's did, but there's still pound cake out there. They changed Yeah, the, I know. And they put a pound of this and a pound of that and a pound of this, and then it's pound cake, right? Right. It's 13 ounces now. It's not 16 ounces anymore. All right. You hang out at that grocery store. You know that place up and down. Um, uh, I'm really shocked about that nine ninety nine. Then again, I'm looking at it right now. You could get it at Target for six forty nine. You can get it at Walmart, Breakstones, all natural for four ninety six. It's way too expensive anyway. What kind of grocery store are you going to? Are you going to like Whole Foods? Are you going to one of those uh, high end grocery stores? You've probably heard of it, Best Farms. No, I haven't. Do they still have A and P? No, I don't think so. I haven't seen an A and P in years. I haven't seen it. I go to Gristini's every now and then, but uh, the wife takes care of that. I've got a kind of a home where I don't have to deal with that stuff. So I, I, I don't know the price of anything, which I guess is uh, that's on me. I should. Augustine, thank you very much. Sorry about the name thing. Anything else you care to share? No, I'm just letting you know that I'm a senior. I'm like 76 years old now. And we really feel that. I, I'm a retired New York City police captain. And, uh, my pension was doing great up until three years ago. Now I'm feeling the squeeze. I'm having to take money out of the retirement account all the time. Yeah. That's how bad this has gotten. I don't like it. I don't, I'm very sorry. And uh, I, I hear that. I hear that. Believe me, that's very close to home. Hey, the other thing, though, is um, are you still buying, like, um, soda and stuff like that? Just cut that stuff out. You know, if you look at your budget, if you look at some of the stuff you buy, you probably find a lot of unnecessities, things that aren't necessary, right? Have you done that yet? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm not a soda or a cookie person, but we do eat out a lot. <laughs> and diners have gone up in price tremendously. And if you look at the bacon, it's like it's like almost paper thin. And they're charging you like six ninety nine for a side order of bacon. Everything is just insane. It is. Uh, it's pretty wild. And, you know, I was talking about how hopeful and optimistic I am, but at the same time, I have a sense of dread. All right? I hope we win next year. Augustine, thank you very, very much. There's the music. Oh, when we come back, uh, Joseph McBride, one of the January 6th lawyers. He's doing such great work. will be with us.